Hi, everyone. Good morning. My name is Terrence Fox, Head of Innovation with iAdvise. Thank you for joining us on another beautiful Tuesday. Uh, and this is, as I've said before in the past, our Conversation With series, where we interview CX leaders, innovators, and have a conversation on where we've come from and where we believe we're headed. Today, uh, we have a real treat for you. Uh, I'm joined by Marie Dubier of Albatross CX. And Albatross CX is a global customer experience agency with a specialty in creating memorable customer experiences for premium and luxury brands. Uh, Marie is the managing, managing director for the Americas uh, and formerly worked for Piaget and Cartier. Uh, even saying those words sounds like luxury. Uh, and my point is she knows luxury. So we're super excited to have her on board for today's session, which is focused on how best in breed retailers are watching their customers and obviously helping transform to this new normal, right? We've got an always on consumer, a uh, consumer that is now purchasing in different ways, uh, has cost concerns more so than ever before with today's new economic climate. Uh, so it's a, a very uh, fragile scenario where obviously luxury still has a role. So uh, Marie, can you hear me? Are you on? Hello, hi Terrence. Yes, I can hear you. Hi Marie, nice to have you here. Nice to talk to you again. Uh, Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's our pleasure. This is a great uh, a conversation today. We haven't really tackled luxury uh, in one of these sessions before, so this is super exciting for us. Um, and before we actually get started, I have a few questions I like to ask everyone. Uh, and Marie, I'm putting you on the spot maybe, but okay. we'll see. Uh, what book have you been reading recently or have you read recently that you enjoyed? Uh, or the simplest format is... What have you been learning? Okay, um, I hate to say this, but it's been a long time since I had last, you know, read a book um, from cover to cover, simply because I have kids. Yeah. Uh, so the the best way I found for me to actually keep learning is a post podcast, uh, you know, um, uh, segments. And one thing that I'm really into right now is Brené Brown. I, mm. I don't know if you know her. She has this Unlocking Us podcast. Um, and she's looking at, you know, the way, you know, human connections are built and, and the way we are um, behaving as uh, human beings. And I think that's um, very helpful for me from a personal standpoint, but yeah. a lot of this also fits into the work that we do. So I'm, yeah, I'm more of a podcast person right now. And I, I try to do it like once a day, half an hour, go on a walk, you know, and, and be um, fresh in my mind. That's the way we do it. I do it, yeah. Yeah, I, I feel like I have to change that question soon. Uh, I do like to ask it because it's always fascinating to see what someone's appreciated or learned or read, read cover to cover. But uh, yeah, I I should probably stop just because I can't even get through books anymore. Uh, too yeah. busy. Uh, I, I used to be guilty. I used to feel really guilty. And now I'm like, just deal with it in a different way. Yeah. Uh, okay, and, and for podcasts, uh, I'll say that I really like uh, this small podcast called Stuff You Should Know, where they just tackle random topics. Uh, and it's uh, been my kind of savior recently is covering anything from, you know, everything to know about porcupines, like little weird topics like that. Uh, and I really like the guys, Josh and Chuck. So something to check out, but I will check out Renee Brown because I am very familiar with her. Okay. Um, now, uh, Marie, tell me a little bit about uh, you as a consumer, a memorable experience you may have had. Uh, I'd like to ask, you know, what what was a striking either a positive or negative experience in your own history as a consumer? 
I think uh, that's part as a consumer and part of my job because, you know, working on CX, uh, I have this terrible bias that everything that I do, even if it's personal, I'm, I'm going to scan it through the lens of my job. So, right. but I went on uh, Lululemon. Um, and they have, you know, set up this great, um, you know, uh, distance cell consultation platform. And I think they really set the bar super high because it's super well integrated in their website. Everything is seamless from a cons consumer point of view. Um, and they developed um, a setup where, you know, there's pre-awareness of the customer's needs. You can choose the advisor who's going to help you. Um, oh. Everything prior to the booking of the experience is super easy and really well designed. So this was super enjoyable from a, from a you know, personal standpoint. This was impressive from a professional standpoint. Um, but I think then I went in the store and then there was a little bit of a letdown. And, and I think that's something that's also uh, that we have to be mindful of, you know, as, as consumers are becoming more and more um, uh, omni-channel and they're really touching the brands from very different touch points. Uh, the more you raise the bar on one side of your experience, the more you're going to have to raise it on all the other aspects of the experience. Otherwise, you have this kind of disconnect, uh, which is kind of weird. But the digital experience was really amazing. And I think it was the best one I've seen so far. Yeah, so that's interesting because typically, uh, I'll be honest with our client base, uh, we usually see that a brick and mortar presence is excellent, right? Uh, the fitting, the style re uh, recommendations, advice is always on, on, on point. But then you go digitally and it's like a brochure, right? That mm -hmm. same human connection isn't there. Uh, so it's neat that you had an opposite uh, interaction with the brand. I think that comes with a distance cell setup. So with a distance cell setup, you kind of book an appointment and then you have undivided attention and this has right. been prepared before. So you're kind of given the VIP treatment. And then yeah. you walk in the store and you're like, I want to see those leggings. And they're like, go downstairs. <laughs> and it's, it's kind of really strange. The, the disconnect was really striking to me. And I was like, I want to go back online. Like, I'm not sure I want to go back to the store. Yeah, that's, I mean, props to Lululemon. At least their digital presence is, is very strong, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah. Um, and uh, of course, I pick on consumers every day and talk about them constantly, uh, but we are also consumers. Marie, how have your own buying habits changed during this pandemic in the last several months? Have you seen anything? Um, I think because we've bought a car about a month ago, uh, we bought it online. Uh, and we bought it uh, secondhand uh, from a guy from, from a platform in Texas. So I think that really tells me that our purchase barriers uh, online have really dropped. You know, the amount of money we are willing to spend online uh, has increased. Um, and I think that was kind of a leap of faith. I know my, my friends were like, what did you do? How did you buy a car? You didn't even see the car. Yeah. Uh, it got delivered to us. Um, and then they had a really good, you know, case management system uh, because it was not perfect. You know, there was a chip on the windshield right. uh, and, and they set it up super well. Like they had us, you know, they had an appointment booked for us. They are replacing the windshield as no cost. And so I thought this was, you know, really the best of both worlds between the convenience that I just have the car delivered to my door, but I still get this kind of really premium service where if anything doesn't meet my expectations, um, I don't feel like I'm you know, yelling in the woods and nobody's gonna answer to me. I can still right. pick up the phone 
and there's still this human attention. Well, uh, so yeah, that's a learning for us. So this is super fascinating, Marie, because I'm gonna drill into this a little further. Uh, and the reason is because my wife and I bought a car in the beginning of March. So right before lockdowns and right before, of course, the pandemic really started to take hold. Uh, and uh, naturally she planned on using this car a lot, but it just has been sitting in the driveway. Um, but in comparison, like you just gave a situation where you, you feel you're far more comfortable. It's, it's, it's more palatable ever than ever before to pay a hefty price tag for something that you're seeing just digitally. Uh, whereas in the beginning of March, I think my wife may have made me come to about seven or eight dealerships mm -hmm. to compare cars, to try out this car, to, to test drive the car. So it looks like, of course, uh, while we can't compare that we're both the same type of buyer, uh, it is interesting to compare those two scenarios. You know, it's back to what I told you earlier. I just have kids and I don't have time. Wow. Um, and, and very often, um, I think the way people uh, conceive experience, they think about either convenience right. or either luxury or experience in itself. Um, and I think that one way it's gonna evolve is the fact that convenience should actually meet luxury. Right. And that's a little bit what we had here. We had the convenience in the fact that it was a couple of clicks, a couple of phone calls, uh, but you know, sometimes with convenience, it just hands here. You know, you don't have the follow-up, you don't have all those things. And they managed to bridge with a follow-up, a personal connection, and I think that was really good. Right. And, and that's what it takes, because you need to build the trust for, for those type of price points, you know. Right. Um, so before we dive into our topic around luxury and, and premium goods, um, let's talk a little bit about the state of where they are today. Uh, and of course, you know, the initial impression is, of course, you can imagine there's a real squeeze, right? People are tightening their wallets more so than ever. Uh, but I also have recently seen that uh, LVMH and Caring uh, outperformed in Q3. Mm -hmm. They're doing mm -hmm. quite well, which mm -hmm. kind of shows that there's still an appetite for these luxury goods and it remains strong. Um, what can you say about the, the state of luxury goods and, and these premium products today? Um, I think it's hard to give like a cookie cutter answer. I yeah. think it's pretty polarized. Um, I, I oversee the US, uh, so I look at the US results uh, much in details and I think LVMH and Caring had amazing gross performance on the Q3. Yeah. Um, uh, Richemont is down and Hermes was down. Um, and then within the brands themselves, you know, there's a lot of, of polarization in the results. So I think everything that's, around uh, you know cosmetics <laughs> has an easier time because it's also volume luxury so it's not the same you know commitment to purchase right. everything that's around hard luxury um, tends to be doing well because there's a you know investment value so I think Cartier has been doing really well um, because on the second-hand market there's a resale value and so mm -hmm. people do not feel that when they're gonna purchase something of that price they're gonna you know lose a lot of money there's always this possibility to um, tap into the second-hand market and then at, at a market level it's very very polarized as well. So we all know that China has had, you know, beautiful uh, rebounds uh, in yeah. the economy. We see that, you know, new stores are opening. Um, in, in the US, we've seen also brands that have been doing really well and they were kind of surprised uh, to see that, that uh, you know, conception keeping up. Uh, and usually the conception of luxury in the US is really linked to the S&P 500. It's been doing rather well. 
there was a stimulus package. People did, didn't have anywhere to go. You know, they didn't have um, the travels that they had planned before. So right. you can imagine that all those things have, you know, nurtured kind of a, a conception of luxury. But I cannot say like everybody's doing well. Right. Uh, I cannot say all the countries are doing well. You know, it's very polarized. Mm. Um, the other fascinating thing I saw, and then I promise we'll get to the uh, topics for today, is uh, McKinsey put out a recent report on the state of fashion, and there is this expectation, uh, they called it a glimmer of hope, that uh, consumers in the luxury segment will return more quickly to paying full price for these quality, timeless goods, because uh, it was the case after the 2008-2009 financial crisis. Mm -hmm. So it looks like, uh, uh, in general, people are upbeat. Yes, but we also see and uh, we also see that people come back, but with uh, heightened expectations. Um, and so, you know, there's been a lot of awareness in the U.S., especially about everything that's pertaining to, you know, um, social standards for brands, right. um, environmental standards, diversity standards, and all of things. And I think that was even before COVID. There's this new, uh, you know, wave, new new conception patterns where it's not just the brand will sell me, you know, of course the brand pays a big, plays a big part in all of this, but there's also what's behind the brand and are the values of the brand aligned with my values. Um, and, and more and more, you know, that's the, the expression that um, luxury consumers also vote with their money right. uh, and, and, and they choose the brands that they feel are, are you know, meeting their standards. Hmm. All right, so uh, let's get down to it. Uh, Marie, I was thrilled to put on a tie today. My wife looked at me like uh, she hadn't in a long time, uh, most because I haven't dressed up much like this in ages. Uh, so let's get right to luxury. Uh, and the topic again is, you know, best in breed retailers, how are they transforming for the new normal? Uh, so my initial question for you is around, you know, what technologies are available today and that you're seeing implemented today and how do they empower uh, achievability for these new strategies? So I, I just want to give a little word of introduction. As a company, we are focusing on what we call the human component of, of the customer experience. So that's mm -hmm. you know, how we look at technology. And I, I think that's important to just set the scene. Um, from this angle, what we see our, our clients are using and the industry is using is kind of three types of, of technologies. The first one I would say is about data collection. And how, how much do you know about your customers? What do they do in the social networks? What did they purchase with you? And that feeds into uh, what I would say an insight bucket of, of uh, you know, customer data. Um, right. And that can inform, you know, how you develop your products. I know, for instance, um, Estee Lauder Group is very big on, on, on technology to help inform their product development strategy. Right. Uh, there's another uh, type of technology, which is about the experience. So you have seen, you know, in-store uh, mirrors with augmented reality, you can try on the products, those type of things. So things that are here to enhance the way customers are interacting with the brand. Mm. And then I would say a third uh, type of technology is anything pertaining to connection. Anything that enables a brand to interact with their clients through different outlets than just, you know, um, the website or, or, uh, or the boutique. And you can think of a chat box, you can think of a live stream, you can think of, uh, you know, uh, 
possibility. Uh, some technologies merge channels. You can connect on, on a chat, or you can connect on a text, or you can connect on a phone. Um, so anything that supports connection. For us, obviously, it's important to think that you have to define your CX strategy before you choose the technology. Right. Uh, I think that the CX strategy informs the choice of technology. Um, and, and for us, obviously, the main strategic um, you know, stake for, for luxury brands now is this element of connection. Mm. How do I connect with my, employee, my employees and how do I enable them to connect with their customers? Or in other words, a people strategy. You want to be driving your business by enhancing people connection. Uh, any type of technology that enables you to do so for us would be a good bet. Yeah, so uh, data collection, anything related to experience technology, and then the last thing is focusing on that connection, right? That connection yes. to the consumer. Uh, yes. So uh, I can make some pretty obvious, I'll say, inferences on, on these, but how do you see that these technologies impact an organization's overall customer experience? So you were referring to McKinsey earlier. They produce a lot of, of really interesting content and they released a study not so long ago uh, looking at the state of retail and, and looking at uh, 2030. So 10 years down the line and they expect that 52% of retail activities will be automated. It means that if you take the job description of a retail staff today, yep. 52% of half of what they do, they will not have to do it anymore. It mm. will be done by whatever type of technology. And so if you have this in your head, uh, first it's kind of exciting because it redefines the role of, of the advisors. Right. Uh, it brings a lot of, of I think, um, a fresh perspective on what do we expect from our frontline teams. And, and that's, that's exciting because it's been a bit overlooked, I wanna say, in the luxury mm. industry, the role of the frontline teams. Um, and so how does that impact, you know, the organization? Well, if you can connect anywhere, if you remove the low added value tasks for, for your employees, you're going to break silos in your organization. The way most, um, you know, luxury companies are organized right now is you have retail, marketing, wholesale, e-commerce, all our teams that are working differently. Um, if you use those technology, you can actually really break those silos and then you will have to redefine, you know, how do I upskill my people? How do I recruit no profiles? How do I reward them? How do I redefine the work um, of my managers? And so, yes, those technologies, they are really going to impact uh, organizations um, in the way they are structured and in the way they deliver their customer experience. Yeah. And um uh, the, you brought up the stat, 52% of retail activity will be in some way automated. I, I see that simply as uh, there will be more of the right type of connections, right? The stuff that should be automated is going to be automated, which is only good news. Yeah, we love it. For right. us, it's, it's just like super exciting. So the, the part of the study goes like 52% will be automated. What are the skills that we need to invest in? That's actually the, yeah. the so what, which is an interesting so what. And obviously, you need to develop interpersonal interpersonal skills. Right. Um, and it has it's starting to be, uh, you know, in the spotlights, but it hasn't been so well mastered. Mm. Uh, that's not where uh, main luxury brands have been putting their focus so far. Uh, luxury brands were very uh, 
product driven. You know, they wanted to tell a lot about themselves because they spend so much time defining, you know, what is uh, the brand DNA and what is a brand savoir-faire, which is all very beautiful. Right. But it was kind of missing the who are you as a client and to be able to understand that it comes from data to a certain extent, to a certain extent. Right. But those individual connections are really where you can get the most of, you know, the human interaction. Um, Marie, so in, in reviewing today's climate and how things have changed so quickly, and uh, we've obviously seen some very impressive uh, uh, means for these companies of adapting quickly on the move. We've seen some get stuck and kind of remain archaic. Uh, how are your clients uh, getting a good read on the market and, and, and staying ahead? So I think you can do that. There are two main ways to uh, get the read of the market. The first one is you need to understand what's happening in your own house. Mm. Uh, and, and it might sound like I'm stating the obvious, but it's not always the case. Mm -hmm. uh, so I want to say start to look what's happening in your own house. What's the pulse of your customer perception? Um, and ways to do this is to listen to your teams, you know, uh, those people that are in the stores, that are answering the phone, that are answering the text, you name it. What do they feel? What do they see? They are capable of providing that type of feedback, provided they are empowered to do so. So that's important. You need to start, you know, nurturing those people so that they understand the importance of, you know, what they can witness and how they can provide this feedback. Right, and right. and back to the what I was saying about the industry, the fact that it's very volatile, uh, the customer sentiment is very volatile as well. Mm -hmm. So you know, uh, the as we were in the middle of the pandemic, uh, it went really low. Like consumer confidence was really low, but week on week it was catching up. Um, in the U.S., the U.S. is a very specific market when it comes to COVID. You have people that are overcautious, and you have people who do not want wear a mask. You know, so that's a really broad spectrum of, of customer interactions to cover. Mm -hmm. So you need to understand what's happening in your boutiques. You need to understand what's happening. What are your customers telling you? That's the one thing. Understand your customer perception. And then I think 2020 was really a year of what we call consumer insights. So that's more market research, you know, more looking outside at the bigger picture. Right. Um, and, and I think, you know, McKinsey did an amazing job in publishing lots of insight. We've run a couple of studies as well, um, you know, analyzing Chinese customer sentiments and things like that. Uh, and I think our clients were more and more eager to have those conversations to understand, you know, where is this going? But, you know, beyond those those pragmatic approaches, I think it's all down to a mindset. Mm. Um, it's not so much about you will not have a crystal ball. Uh, nobody will predict, you know, what's going to happen six months down the road. Mm -hmm. And so it's more about how do you adapt to the climate, you know, and how do you deal with ambiguity? How do you keep agility in the way you implement your actions? Um, and that that speaks to, you know, humility. P brands used to have, you know, one year plan. And now they are navigating like two months down the road. And, and that's yeah. very different in terms of mindset. How do you train your teams to do so? How do you agree to be in a test and learn mode? You have to test and learn, you know, there's no script. Um, and so the read of the market is also a little bit learning by doing. Mm. I think that's also important um, um, to navigate very uncertain times. 
Yeah, so uh, then I won't ask you about uh, predicting what's going to happen six months down the road. Uh, <laughs> no, I can't. Uh, I can't. You brought up a very good point, right? Uh, you know, take an assessment for what's happening in your own house. And, and frankly, on our side, because uh, our effort is on humanizing the digital experience, um, oftentimes I will start a conversation with the website up uh, as a live screen to share their own web presence. And you'd be surprised the amount of uh, executives and uh, higher ups who aren't even familiar with how their website operates today in terms of the engagement strategy and the human connection. Uh, so I think uh, while it might seem obvious, that's a very good point. You know, take ownership and audit your kind of uh, your what's happening in your own house, like you said. Um, so we do need to make these these plans and strategies for just now two months instead of several years. Oftentimes, what are your best in breed retailers doing to address these short term necessities? So I think that's where the crisis has been kind of um, you know um, ironic is that. There is no such thing as a short-term action that's mm. going to yield results uh, if you didn't have long-term investments in what matters. And right. that's kind of, you know, that's kind of ironic. It's like if you didn't do the job before, it's going to be super hard to have those short-term actions that you need. And what is the job you had to do? Uh, it's about, you know, fostering those people connection. That means if you have worked in the long run, because that's really long-term efforts to empower your teams to connect with people. If you have developed their emotional intelligence, if you have developed uh, their willingness to, be, to build personal connections, mm. then they have gathered the right data. Then they have built meaningful connections with their clients. Mm. And then when the stores shut down, those people were able to reconnect. Those people were able to keep their business going. Those people were able to tell their clients, okay, you used to come and visit me in the store. It's not feasible anymore. How about I give you a call? How about I talk to you on FaceTime? That's right. something you can only do if you have done the groundwork before. Right. And we have seen people who found themselves, they knew what they had to do. They knew they had to reconnect with their clients, but they could not do it in a meaningful way. They could not do it at scale because they had not done the groundwork before. Right. Another example I can tell you is, for instance, if you think of the London market in the UK, it's a market that's driven a lot by tourists, Middle Eastern tourists and a lot of Asian tourists. Um, those people are not traveling anymore. Mm. But structurally, uh, brands have not really invested in developing their local market. They know they have to develop their local market. They just don't have the tools to activate things in the short term. It's right. going to take them a lot of time to collect the data, to build the relationships, to be able to offer things that are meaningful. So short term necessities, they could be addressed in a meaningful way when the groundwork was done before. And that was a little bit a little bit uh, ironic in, in the crisis. And, mm -hmm. and again, back to the mindset, it's about you know, this culture of innovation and challenging the status quo. Mm -hmm. And the really best players we see in the luxury industry are the ones that are capable of really looking forward. They know they are doing well in terms of mindset. They know they are successful, they are growing, but they don't mistake their growth for um, a, a guarantee that they're gonna do well in the future. Mm -hmm. So they keep, they keep thinking, what can I do better? What will it look like tomorrow? Right. How can I prepare for what's next? And, right. and I think that's super important. Yeah, and I mean, look how quickly things have changed. So the point is very valid, right? You need to have that sort of foundation in order to make these pivots and to, mm -hmm. to be able to be uh, uh, able to capture these sort of short-term goals and necessities. 
Um, Marie, you've mentioned a few times that staying focused on the long-term goal of structural transformation uh, for the client interface uh, should be the end game, should be the focus. Uh, why is that? Because um, I, I'm going to start from a very pragmatic angle. Uh, I mean, the bigger answer to your question is that the way luxury brands are organized today, mm -hmm. um, those silos I was referring to, uh, the, the huge emphasis that's still on the boutique uh, means that they are not capable of de delivering elevated interactions at scale outside of the retail network, okay? Mm. So, and if I want to be a little bit cynical, they don't even, it's not even achieved at scale in the retail network. But say, now we know there's this shift to online and those online interactions are becoming more and more important. And the way companies are structured today, they just cannot deliver elevated experiences at scale. They can, right. do it for their VIP, they can do it for their VIPs. Uh, they can do it for a small number of people. They cannot do it at scale. They cannot do it at scale because they don't have the data of the clients, because they don't have the right staff, because the teams are not trained. It's not the same thing, you know, to do an interaction in a store where you can touch the products, when you can give a tour of the store, and it's not the same thing to do it online. Um, and so they don't have the right profile and they don't have the right tools. We are back to technology. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, the lighting is dreadful. Uh, the, you don't hear the sound really well. So they will not be able to sustain this at scale. And, and that's what at stake here. Um, you want to be able to have those elevated digital experiences as well as elevated um, in-store experiences, but at scale. And this is not manageable right now. So the transformation is, is needed. And uh, of course, then again, automation plays a key role as we're trying to scale. Uh, and you mentioned earlier that uh, the Lululemon example, you need to make sure, of course, that it's a seamless experience between the store and online. So it's not as jarring for visitors. Mm -hmm. uh, very interesting. So um, that uh, I think we're already at time. Marie, thank you so much for your time today. Uh, My pleasure. I, I imagine that you folks are all wearing Gucci face masks and things like that <laughs> in the luxury world. Um, yes. But uh, it's great to see you, and I'm glad you're doing so well. Um, Fritz, any questions from the audience or anything to address quickly before we go? That's it. Marie, you're off the hook. Uh, again, it was a pleasure. Thank you for joining us, and uh, I look forward to talking to you again soon. Yes, thank you. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Have a good day. You as well. So thank you all for joining us. Uh, next week, you get a week off from us. So enjoy the Thanksgiving holiday in the States. Uh, and of course, the week after that, we have a very interesting conversation, uh, all related to sound, right? And our, our guest, Olivier, will take us through how sound impacts the brand experience. And we'll dive a bit further into why these sounds can resonate to motion and things of that nature. But thank you all for joining us. Our next live stream is December 1st. Uh, make sure you join us then at 11 a.m. Eastern and uh, enjoy your week off.